0: This is Queen speaking. What's the difference between a boss and a queen? When you're a queen, you're owning every aspect of your life. From work to money to relationships, there are no boundaries. You can't pause who you are. The challenge is how to own it. What makes you, you? We're in this together. Let's break out of our comfort zone and learn the tools to rise to our own potential. Hit your goals, then set the bar higher. Ready to join us? Hey, Sid. hey, Brian. How you doing? I'm
1: good. I'm so good. How are you?
0: <laughs> Said through a smile. Like, I'm doing it. I'm keeping it together. <laughs> so we've talked about this. Mm-hmm. You're moving. Mm-hmm. What's the status?
1: The status is that I'm a couple days away from the big move. And I realized, so we generally move, like, every year. I was actually just thinking about this this morning, that in the four years that I've been in my current job, I have lived in four different places. That overwhelms me. Yeah, it's a lot. And I think I get very used to moving. Like, moving sucks. No one likes moving not just because like it's intensive labor to pack boxes for hours but it's just like you're packing up all of your stuff you're purging again and I was never like someone who moved around a lot when I was growing up so I think this is like a new thing for me like I never I moved 3 times in my childhood before I left for college and so I was not I'm not it's not that I'm not used to it because again four places in 4 years um, or in five years, something like that. So I think it's just this feeling of it's finally hitting me that I've, and I've wanted this for some time. I think even after I graduated college and moved into my first apartment, I was like, I would really love my space to feel like home, but I don't think I... I think my parents' house is still the place that feels like home to me, even though they have since moved out of where I grew up because it's like, that's, that's what I grew up with was them being around. And I think like, I think this feeling of wanting to find a place that feels like home is like always on my mind and somehow it just like, I haven't landed on it yet. So um, I'm hoping that like with some care and some time and, and, for um, being in, in our new space for a little bit longer this time, that I
0: will be able to uh, create that. Yeah, I think that as you were saying that, I had a revelation because I was like, oh my gosh, I wonder if the reason I stay in an apartment for as long as I do is because we moved so much as kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, even though I wasn't responsible for like packing up and moving the house, just like. But moving spaces is a big deal. The mental, like, getting it together of packing and getting accustomed to a new place is... That's like a readjustment. And if you're like me and resistant to change. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And I think like I've gotten better with change and like moving has just now become a part of like what I tend to do on a yearly basis. So like this time of year is more stressful for a few different reasons. But knowing that like impending move usually happens like between May and June is just it it just like is what it is and so i'm hoping that and i think it will be and you know i'm moving with my boyfriend again and anywhere with him feels like home like i love him and i and i love being in our space together um, but i think if we can create like our physical space with what we feel toward each other then like it will feel even more settled than just the feeling that we have together yeah So that's my, uh, we're almost there and we've been, you know, packing for the last couple days and we've got a couple more days to go and then we'll be, we'll be in. And then the unpacking begins
0: (laughs) and I'd rather unpack than pack. And there, that's the beauty of creating that home space is when you're unpacking, what are the things that you can set out and like nooks that you can create that make it feel like your homey space?
1: Yeah. And we did do a lot of purging, so we're not moving with a bunch of like, Stuff. Um, I think that that's been something we've done in the past of like just, just we're at last minute. So we're like throwing just everything we've got into the boxes just to get it done. But this time we've just very intentionally got rid of like clothes that can get donated, different like utensils and kitchen stuff that we don't use. So that goes to Goodwill. Um, we've thrown out a lot of stuff. It's just, it feels good to be moving with just the stuff that we want versus just everything we've accumulated. Um, so I think it'll be good. It's just like, it's got me thinking more often now about what home is and what home feels like.
0: So yeah, I'm excited. You gotta you gotta create it. It'll be good. It'll be good. What about you? So I know that the last time when we recorded our continuing education episode, we talked about how the only way that I could manage doing any kind of coursework <laughs> masters programs not for me. Yeah. Um I had to explore certification options, and so um, I had been kind of poking around to see, because um, the organization I work for is pretty open to having us, you know, pursue certifications or, you know, opportunities for... Continued development um, as it relates to the field that we're in. And so um, I ended up stumbling upon, slash, like, heard from a few people in the industry um, that HubSpot Academy has great certifications. And then I come to find out that they're free. Which is like unheard of, I feel like. So I kind of like had it in the back of my mind as like, look into this, look into this. But I knew that it might require, like, I wanted to make a good choice if I was going to spend money to get a certification in something that right. it was going to be like exactly what I was looking for or something that I needed. Um, but when I found out that these were free and super educational and helpful, um, it, would, it was a win-win. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to um, – you know, it is one of those situations where people – when you get a recommendation from someone who's already done it, like, that was the immediate push for me right. to dive into it. Peer-to-peer, man. It, it works. So I ended up going with the content marketing certification, which – basically is a deep dive into the breakdown on what is content marketing, what are the things that you can do within content marketing to build a strategy. Um, very useful and very helpful in terms of, of just like if you're in the marketing industry and writing for social media or writing blogs, ebooks, anything like that, um, helping to create content for a website. It was reaffirming because I didn't necessarily get specific marketing training in college because right. I went for kind of more of a generic and public relations leaning degree. So this was stuff that I'd learned about and read about, but like to sit down and do an actual course, dude, dude, it gosh. felt like, you know, a condensed college course all wrapped up. And it, the it was a little bit time consuming because it took about 5 to 6 hours, but it was something that I just I blocked a day and boom, I'm certified. Right. And so they have an exam after each of the training blocks and each, of, they break it up really well. So it was like 20 to 30 minutes. Nice. Um, and you kind of, you can just sit through the whole thing in one sitting or kind of, you know, pace yourself, but don't refresh the the thing. Otherwise <laughs> you'll lose, you'll lose all of it. <laughs> That's a really good thing to remember. <laughs> and I was so scared that I was going to accidentally X out of it. And I was like, <laughs> uh... <laughs> but um, it was one of those things that like the at the end of it, I was taking copious notes, and I felt like I was back in school again, but also felt so fulfilled because it was a condensed learning opportunity that fit exactly what I was looking for.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Did they have other, what were some of the other like certifications you could get through that academy?
0: Through HubSpot, they have um, other ones related to sales. They're working on a social media marketing one, which like you can click the notify me and get the update once that's official, which I think is really great. And so they have a different, they have varied, um information too about like sometimes some of them are just courses of just information on inbound marketing Mm -hmm. and then others are actual certifications that are you know recognized in you know the marketing and design and sales industry Um, because they have a lot of tools that a lot of marketing agencies use as part of you know for search engine optimization and all of those things that kind of fit within the scope of website design and um all the behind the scenes and creating content for all of that. That's great. And I think like going back to what you said about the
1: tests that happen at the end of each module or at the end of the full course, it's just, it goes back to what I think we talked about in the continuing ed episode that I appreciated about the master's program. And I know um, a lot of certifications have this, that they test you on what you've learned. So unlike a conference that you kind of walk away with what you're, you know, Taking on from speakers and things like that, you have an opportunity
0: challenge you, right?
1: And like it really does give you that knowledge of saying like I didn't just like listen and take in and whatever you were doing and taking notes, but I also had to prove that I understood what was being talked about. And I think that's that next step that people should challenge themselves to do, even if it's not provided for you. Um, So it's great that not only did you have a chance to do the whole program, but you had a chance to say, like, I also know my stuff, like, and I can show you that I know my stuff through that full, like, cert situation.
0: And when I passed at the end, it was... My heart exploded. Yeah, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, "I did it!" Because the last test I took was like a face a Facebook quiz. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's the same. So
1: <laughs> that's great. That's really good.
0: Done, did it. So, what is inspiring you this week, Sid?
1: So this week, this was sent to me, and I think that. This is just phenomenal. I've seen a couple other people post about this. So, Abby Wambach was the commencement speaker at Barnard this year for 2018. And if you don't know who Abby Wambach is, she is a USA, like, all-time, friggin phenomenal, crazy, amazing soccer player. And she played with the USA team for years, and she's won a ton of awards. She's won gold medals. Like, she's just... She's just the best
0: and rep in our hometown.
1: Oh yeah, and she's and she's from Rochester. <laughs> no big deal. Um, but her speech was just. I mean. I encourage everybody to read it because it did give me chills throughout the entire thing. Like I was reading it start to finish and I could, I was reading it. I didn't even see her give it. And I was like, oh my God, I can't imagine. I would probably be in tears if I'd actually see her say it out loud. But what I loved about it is she broke down. So Barnard is a women's college. So she's talking to however many just women right in front of her. And I thought what was great about that is she talked about what her experience was like, not just um, as a soccer player but when she retired so she's fully retired from from playing and that was a big transition and like I think for anybody that's going through any kind of like major life change you're like oh my gosh is this all I am as a person especially like, when you're young she's oh
0: yeah still I think she's in her 30s still right something like that or
1: maybe 40s ish, ish. but
0: to she's retire <laughs> then that's like I imagine me retiring at like 75 yeah yeah
1: that's my timeline <laughs> like, as of now next? <laughs> So yeah, so she was soccer all the time, all the way, and and then to go into this phase of like am I anything else besides a soccer player? And I thought that she, she broke down three or four major rules for um, the women of Barnard and she called them her wolf pack. And she made this reference to like little red riding hood and how like she was the scared little person who kind of just took direction wherever needed and was like, the whole thing was being scared of this big bad wolf. And she's like, you are the wolves. Like you women sitting in front of me, you are the wolves. You get to fail forward. You get to lead." from wherever it is that you you can lead from and I thought that it was just such a great it was just such a great read and what part of what I really enjoyed is that she won an ESPY I think the year after she retired and she won an ESPY if you don't know what that is the ESPN the sports network has like an awards ceremony and she won um, like a lifetime achievement award from the ESPYs and as did Kobe Bryant and Peyton Manning. And what I love that she identified, not only was she the only woman standing up there, but she didn't have the same, she didn't have the same career that they both had, not because she was any less of an athlete, but because money wise, they were set up. Like Kobe and Peyton had all of the deals, they had everything that they needed to continue on, and they made a lot of money in their career. Whereas if you've read anything about the women's national team for soccer, they get paid significantly less than firstly the men's soccer who wins nothing compared to the women's team. But also, comparatively to other sports, they're just they're just not getting even a, a small fraction of what these other men are getting. And she's like, my life is about to look so different from theirs not by nature of the fact that I'm a woman but by nature of the fact that like the money that they made in their career is vastly different so she had to figure out and she it was great to hear her acknowledge that and say that out loud of like I respect these men as athletes as people but like we're in totally different spaces if even though we are on the same playing field as far as fantastic athleticism goes and so I just thought it was it was so good and my favorite part was at the end when she was talking about how she is now coaching her one of her kids I think they're in the, like the 10 year old age range and this little girl was like I have no idea who you are she's like who, who are you what did you do and she's like I played soccer <laughs> and she was like did you ever win <laughs> and she was like yes I won A number of times and it was just funny that she could like humble herself this little 10 year old didn't know the heck she was even though she is the greatest and will be the greatest so i i thought it was just you just gotta keep proving yourself and it was great that like she could identify like are we defined by our successes And what does that mean to you as an individual? And how do you feel forward? And all of these like major things that we're talking about right now. She just so eloquently like packaged them up into, and I, and this is the time for commencement speeches, obviously. And I like live for them. Like, give me some Oprah, give me some Michelle Obama, like all of the people that are speaking at commencement speeches. I just like, compile them and read them every day as my own fuel and this was a great way to like start that track of like what will definitely be the next month of commencement speeches so we'll share that because I just I was obsessed I loved it so that was that
0: what about you so I was I've seen this before and Dan also shared it with me um Will Smith has some like motivational videos that he puts out from time to time. Yep. I don't know how regularly he, he's doing this because I've never actually seen it on his page. I've only seen it shared from like other media or other publications. And so it's this face uh, Facebook video on relationship advice. Mm. And so he breaks down how he and Jada have established that they're no longer required to make each other happy. Wow. And that's not how a successful marriage works. He's like, I retire from trying to make you happy. (laughs) And it was one of those things that, like, you hear it, and the way that he set it up, and, you know, he's, like, doing a selfie video and, like, walking through his lawn or something. And so it's, like, all janky, but it's like, your words are so wise. (laughs) He's so smart. I have heard
1: that he does these on a fairly regular basis, and I just think they're so great.
0: Yeah, and so I think... What I took away from it is that a happy relationship only exists if you're striving for your own happiness. Yeah. And so it's not up to your partner in any capacity to make you happy or fill your cup. That's your job. Mm -hmm. You are you and they are them and you have to pursue your own. Like you're kind of living on this pathway together and, you know, supporting each other and cheering each other on as you kind of like climb this ladder of life or, you know, winding path. How do, However, to describe this
1: journey, this journey that we're on.
0: <laughs> um, but it's great when you're able to find someone that can kind of live through that experience with you. But, you know, I think from time to time hearing things like this is important because it's up to you to give yourself everything that you need and yeah. to recognize what it is that that fills you up and gives you life. And
1: yeah, instead of feeling selfish by those things and having your partner acknowledge that they want you to do what is going to make you happy and obviously like clue them in from time to time on what that is. But I think it's also a really attractive quality for someone to really be working toward their own like self-sufficient happiness and how they can maintain that and figure out what they need. And even if it is something that they need from you in like some kind of support, but acknowledging what that is and knowing what they need to do on their end to make it happen too, I think it's attractive and it is just something that makes your relationship strong because you're both these full individual people who have chosen to be together because you love each other and not because of what the other person can give the other person. Exactly. So I love that.
0: All right. Let's get into
1: it. Give it to me straight, Sid. So today we're talking about something that, if you know me at all, has plagued me <laughs> for years. It, is. <laughs> it really has. So today we're talking about hobbies, and that might sound boring, but <laughs> there's so many facets to hobbies that I don't think I really considered until we talked about like how to to talk about this, I guess.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What is a hobby? Right. I think even just starting with defining it, because I know that from my, as a friend to you, I know that this is something that has been on the top of your mind. For a long time. And so the reality is it doesn't have to be that hard. It's just hobbies are things that you can do for fun. You're not getting paid. It's not something that's like, on your to-do list. Mm -hmm. It's just what you can do in your free time. It's helping you decompress, connect with people, connect to yourself, whatever it is that fulfills you in that capacity.
1: Yeah. I think that that's a really good point to make that it doesn't have to be on your to-do list. Like if it has to be on your to-do list, it's not a hobby. Like I think maybe that's a good place to start. And I, I thought about this a lot more when I started dating my boyfriend because he has like he has hobbies. Like when we, I was, I, when he would tell me when we first got together about what he did on the weekends and in his spare time, I was like, wow, those sound a lot like hobbies. <laughs> like, what are, what are those? Tell, tell me, me what more that, about tell, those. tell me what this is. <laughs> and I, then that got me thinking so much about my own what I felt was lack of hobby and it really like it have you ever seen there's this great cartoon where there's a guy standing next to his car and then he's looking at the car next to him and it's like has a thousand bumper stickers on it and I'm and the guy is like wow do I have a personality at all (laughs) because his car has no bumper stickers and I feel like the guy who's looking at the car with all the bumper stickers when it comes to hobbies like I feel like Everybody has, like, something that they don't put on their to-do list, but they love to do. And I could never really come up with what that was for me. And, like, I still struggle with this. So I was excited to get into this because there is, like, more conversation there around, like, the why and what of hobbies than just, like, having them. Yeah. And I kind of think I needed
0: that breakdown in a way. (laughs) I think it's true because there's pressure around the way that you're speaking about it I can sense like the, the tension <laughs> <laughs> where you're like I need to figure out what my thing is like, but it's like who am I <laughs> what is my purpose in life no but um I think because certain people have very specific yes th- and it's very present in their life in a way in a way that like takes time and effort for them to time, effort, money, whatever, yeah. to do it. But I think that yours are kind of like elusive in a way. Fluid. <laughs> Fluid and and elusive, and that's fine. So I think it's okay if you don't have a hobby because we're going to talk through like navigating that conversation on figuring out what fulfills you and what makes you happy. And that's, that's the way that you can – define it and it literally could be anything. It could be like I like to draw stick figures because that makes me chill out at the end of the day. That could that could be it. Right. And I yeah and And I And that's
1: not weird. And that's not weird. (laughs) Just to identify that's not weird if that's you. (laughs) But it is. It's just I think it is the sense of identity. It's like, how do you differentiate that from your job or career? Or like, is it vastly different than like what you're doing 40 plus hours a week in an office or out in the world? And so, yeah, I was excited to get into this because I just think that there's um, <laughs> there's a lot more to it than I wanted to give it credit for.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think especially when you're in this time frame, like after college, like, you know, some people have a good grasp on what their hobby is yeah but again a I lot think, of people do <laughs> i let's let's pretend like we're the majority okay where it was like what is what is important to us yeah <laughs> because i think for both of us like in that 20 the 20 to 30s is like you go from just focusing solely on like college or school or working and you're like just trying to survive yeah and you're probably working two jobs maybe three jobs and so like how do you define what makes you happy outside that scope? Because you're like, most, I remember being like, oh my gosh, I don't have to waitress tonight. I'm having a drink. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I'm out at 5 p.m. I don't know what happy hour is like. Right. I'm excited about this. So it's like, it once I transitioned into like, oh, I have my own, my first apartment. I'm like living in this world that I always imagined being in and then defining what actually makes you happy within that that alone time. Mm-hmm. I think from in that moment, that's where it starts to present itself is what is it that you're gravitating toward once you have time to explore it? Right. So. That's a good place to start, I think. That's, this is a piece of the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg that we're going to dive into today. Yeah. Let's get ready to speak at Queens. Yeah, girl. Um. So... <laughs> How do you actually find a hobby and <laughs> why is this something that's important for your well-being? I think that's the big question, is the why why it is
1: important mm-hmm. to your well-being. And that's a question I feel like doesn't really get put as part of the conversation when it comes to a hobby because either you have one and you can talk about what it is or you don't have one you think there's something wrong with you, but to talk about the why of like what it does for your overall is Something that gets lost in the shuffle
0: sometimes. Yeah. I think it's easy to think that time with friends or, like, hanging out or, like, does that count? grabbing a drink, you're like, well, I really like wine, so, like, can wine tasting be a hobby? Yes. But happy hour. Not a hobby. Not a hobby. Okay. So I think it actually stems from finding that solo passion of yours. What do you do that's just for you? Such a big question.
1: And I feel like, so this was this was kind of like serendipitous that I found this because you know I love an all-in-one situation. All-encompassing. <laughs> so the cut did, and I, I saved this forever ago because I was just, you know, I was still in that place of like, am I a real person if I don't have a hobby? And they did this like get a hobby week. And so it was all on the cut and they had like, I think it's like, at least 10 different articles all having the theme of hobby but breaking down into a few different categories of hobby like the what makes a hobby a hobby and like what are the benefits of having a hobby and like that kind of stuff. So I got a lot of what I... Found very helpful around this topic from that piece. It just so happened to all come from the same place written by different people. There's like a science-y piece to it. And there's also just like a general happiness piece to it. Um, So I think that that really helped me navigate now that I could really dive into it. It really helped me navigate what is my stance on a hobby and why I was so like making it harder than it ever needed to be, I think, for the length of my life. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> and again, I think the minute that you felt like it needed to be something bigger, like, yeah. well, I don't like to cook. So, so I like, have
1: no hobby. <laughs> you're
0: like, why isn't that? You just, you define your need for hobbies around what everybody else is doing. Yeah. But what you need to do is say, what's in it for me? Right. What am I doing for me? Right. And. And I think that was really, even I lived alone,
1: you know, like, it's not like I was always attached to someone all the time. And I try to go back to like what I did when I was by myself and I ran a lot. I did races. Like I put a lot of effort into that, but like on the weekends I had a very like strong, um, routine and I don't think there was ever anything that I was doing. And again, like that routine was all by myself, but I think I really liked, like, reading magazines. I'm like, that's not a hobby. <laughs> like, that's just a thing that I did because I enjoyed doing it. But does that that's make it a hobby? That's literally a
0: hobby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> reading, But But mag- everybody, yourself? you know, makes a distinction between magazines and books. And everybody that does that. I just looked at the microphone Shh. to shame you all. Because
0: Short-form content <laughs> is just as valuable as long-form fiction, yeah. nonfiction. Because... You weren't reading... You weren't flipping through Us Magazine. No, I was reading, like, big stackable... You were reading true articles hefty about Hefty-duty
1: stuff. Hefty-duty,
0: heavy-duty. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had anything to drink today. Um, so what makes a hobby a hobby? I think that's, like, the first thing to get into, mm-hmm. just to identify what it is. And I, I, one of the articles within this cut... Um, piece was not every hobby is a side hustle. And that was like, I think even for the first two years of my relationship, so so Doug's thing is cars. He really likes working on cars. He really likes cars. And I was like, you should figure out how to make that your job. <laughs> Just always going too far. I was far. always going too far. So this article really spoke to me because I was like, oh my god, you can have something that's, like, separate just for you. Because I think my my problem was I was like, you like to do it so much. Why shouldn't you get paid for it? Because you're also good at it. And I think what this article did for me, now we've been together for four years, I finally can be like, oh, I guess I should just stay a hobby. <laughs> because what changes is that, like, now it's a have to versus a want to. And I thought that there was this, like, great – um. There was this great quote from the author of Hobbies, Leisure, and the Culture of Work in America by Steve Gilbert, and he said they hobbies occupy the borderline that is beyond play but not yet employment. So it's like you're putting in more effort than the just like hanging out mentality, but you're not. Not only are you not getting paid for it, but it doesn't feel like work. And I think that that was a really important distinction to make. And that is something that I could never... Like, I was like, if I get really good at something that I also like doing, why shouldn't I get paid for it? But, like, I I skipped over the, like, enjoyment factor. I went right from, like, leisure to, like, let's make a lot of money at it.
0: That's the nugget. Yeah. That's the nugget of magic is that this is enjoyable and helps you chill the F out. Right, right. And
1: that was something that... and, And, like, I was questioning. I was like, but that personal personal pleasure like doesn't isn't that what work should be too but like it's not and I think I also found again I did a lot of soul searching while I was reading all these apparently but like work should be work work doesn't always have to be bad obviously like you should you should want to strive for working and doing something that you enjoy but like there is a distinction that makes work work and there are going to be days that you don't want to do it a hobby Shouldn't that shouldn't meld into that category? And I think it was, it's been really difficult for me to separate the two because I keep thinking, like, if you love it, get paid to do it. And that's not, that's not everybody. And that's
0: not even, that's not a lot of people. So I need to chill. Yeah. And maybe the thing is, is like the reason it's enjoyable for Doug is because he's working on his car. He doesn't want to fix other people's cars. Right, right, exactly. (laughs) He's creating something for himself. And I think we get into this a little bit later, but for my hobby, it's like I wouldn't, I don't necessarily think that my thing works for other people. Right. (laughs) Me, especially. So I really think that that's something that is important and a distinction that needs to be made because the idea of transitioning everything that you love to do into work kind of ends up taking the joy out of everything. Yeah. And so I loved this article that I found from Bustle who talked about how you can find hobbies as an adult by kicking it back to your childhood and thinking about what did you love to do when you were eight years old? Yeah. Do that now. Because if if that brought you – joy, Joy, happiness. Like it was a creative, you know, rolling through the fun times. I think this is something that I think about for you because you say how much you enjoy bike riding. Mm -hmm. That is a hobby.
1: Okay. Is it? Yeah. (laughs) Because I like my, so I agree. I want to agree with you because it does bring me joy, but that like that play so going back to that quote it's like beyond play but not yet employment so for me bike riding is like play it's
0: like but you're exploring yeah you're riding you're feeling the wind in your hair (laughs) it's great yeah and that's why like and
1: that's i think where i get all be jumbled because i'm like when i was when i was running to run that was fun it wasn't always fun, but it also was Also a hobby. Yes. But then I took it up a notch to do a little bit more and, like, challenge myself. And that's when I thought, like, it went from just play to hobby. Like, my brain does this thing where I see, like, a block. And, like, during – in that block, there are three colors. And one is play, one is hobby, one is work and, like, employment. And I think – I keep thinking that there's a, tr- there's a point where you transition from one – to the next even with one activity like I also kind of feel like play and hobby intermingle they and they and I'm sure that they do I think it's just like it's a swirl of colors right and my brain can't like and I'm not even that structured as a person I don't think I might be totally I maybe I am much more structured than I maybe you see things in black and white yeah I think that like it encourages me to ask questions because I'm like this is what someone's saying but like what what Else, can we ask to challenge what someone else is saying? So I think like there's a lot of gray for me, but I also just I kind of I really like answers too. Like I really like having like answers to questions, and if I can't get a straight answer, then I get like frustrated. So I'm like, it is it is a hobby, but if someone's like, what are you, what do you, what are your hobbies? I'm like, I don't know. Even well, though I do other things. Like if I said I like reading magazines, people would be like, That's not a hobby. <laughs> and I you guess could say,
0: well, so that's a a <laughs> specific activity mm-hmm. within the grand scheme of like I like to educate myself and explore new ideas. Right. But I think And it's, I do that by reading.
1: And I think that my problem is I also just like I'm assuming what other people will think about what it is I'm spending my time doing and then I take those like phantom opinions that might not exist and then apply them back to what I'm doing and I'm like if other people wouldn't recognize this as a thing then it's probably not a thing instead of just feeling like I like doing this and that's the end of it what do you do
0: that's just for you
1: what do I do that's just for me that's it
0: I that's like it. that's <laughs> the that's the question yeah that's yes. what a hobby is what do you do that's just for you So it could be all of those things, but it also has to be something that's relaxing and freeing, the decompress aspect. But as you ask that question of needing questions questions. and opportunities to answer, (laughs) (laughs) I love this article from the Every Girl that actually broke down a set of questions to ask if you're in this space of not knowing exactly where, play, work, passion... Hobby, what From falls together. into? How does it all come together? Right. How do you separate the two? So, question one: When do I forget to look at my phone?
1: Mm, good
0: one. I love this one because the minute that you're like, my phone's away, I'm not distracted. I'm I totally forgot. Especially following our digital detox <laughs> episode. Like, what's the thing that made you leave your phone at home? shocker what who does
1: who does that that? (laughs) for safety reasons
0: so thinking about that and and asking yourself what maybe also defiant question two what were some of the things that i loved to do as a kid yeah also great kind of hitting it back to like what made me feel free and excited and exploring my imagination imagination as a child because it's so sad that you do lose a lot of that when you're an adult it is sad (laughs) we're so jaded (laughs) Question three, what feels like active meditation?
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: I know that this is something that you get down with. I do. Because you need like that stress-free time. Yes. But you're doing things. Yes. Question four, what lights me up? I love this question because it's like, what is it that just instantly makes me feel like a million dollars? Yes. That
1: I have to say, whenever I read that now, it makes me laugh. Something like that, because there was this quote that I might have shared on here, but I know I definitely share it with you about what makes you feel like the sunshine from the inside mm-hmm. out. And I don't know if I've already said this, but I've I said that, I was like, isn't that great? Like, doesn't it help you visualize like what makes you so happy? And certain people that <laughs> I was talking to you about this was like, that makes me feel like I should be like feeling like I'm on the surface of the sun. <laughs> Too <laughs> much. Like, it was. I saw it as an opportunity to feel good and feel like like light beams shooting out of me. Like what like that. What's making me feel good? And other people were like, that makes no sense because like, like if Beauty you're and the, the Beast the sunshine, when he turns from, into a man, exactly. And all of the light beams. But like other people were taking it as like I feel like that is to, supposed to mean what what, like, is firing your body up? Like, not in the, like, metaphorical sense, but in the literal, like, what is lighting your body on fire? And I was like, I think that's wrong.
0: (laughs) I think it's more, like... Sunshine is, like, brightness right. and happiness. And, like,
1: the rays. And, like, you can feel it on your skin. Yeah. So it's like I, when you get chills. Yes. And so that quote and that question always makes me <laughs> laugh because I, I, I now understand that people obviously see things differently. And that just makes me laugh. But I do agree with you that
0: that is a good question to ask yourself. Yeah. And question five, what would I do if money didn't matter? That's the big one for me. I don't Mm -hmm. know about for you, but that,
1: like, and that one is kind of in a different category outside of the first four. Like, that, that for me feels like I should go more extravagant with my hobbies because if money didn't matter, I'm like, what would, what, if money didn't matter, I'm like, oh my gosh, I would travel the world, I would but, and see, and so, <laughs> so that like, I'm like, okay, for in my mind, there's a distinction between what feels like active meditation and like, what would I do if money didn't matter? Like my eyes get wide. I like my like little brain just goes crazy thinking of all the opportunities that are available. So I guess it's like bringing all those things together.
0: I think that you can define different hobbies within each of those. These different so categories. I'm going to answer this. Okay. So you ask yourself these questions and then you make a small to-do list to start incorporating these into your life. And so I wanted to actually talk through just an example of me doing this for myself. Mm -hmm. So like, when do I forget to look at my phone? Usually it's when I'm in nature. Yeah. So like, I think the things that bring me joy, what feels like active meditation, hiking, What lights me up? Exploring new things. Mm -hmm. So as I start, what were things that I loved to do as a kid? As a family, we were outside camping, hiking all the time. Mm -hmm. And then what would I do if money didn't matter? I would literally travel everywhere and eat all the food that I wanted Mm -hmm. and taste wines and explore and hike. So like pieces of this are like, here are things that I would do on a, this is something that I can do on a daily, maybe weekly basis. Right. So maybe incorporating a little bit more time to research different hikes that I can take. Maybe I should then take another step further and think about what's a, tr- where's a place that we could go, a trip that we could take that allows me or a trip that I could take. Yeah. I automatically assume that Dan's going to be hiking with me because we like to do that together. That's a um. But then from a, what if money didn't matter? That's when it's like, Kick it up a notch. Kick it up a notch, thinking about how I would want to travel, where I would want to go, what are the places that are on my must-do list, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of like actually just taking the time to do the work to plan it and put it in my calendar, because I think I do a lot of like, these are things that I enjoy, but then it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't do those things that I wanted to do. So it's kind of like creating your own bucket list, within the scope as you ask these questions for yourself right so if these are things that light you up and make you feel like you can leave your phone at home and just do the things that make you feel like a million dollars then that counts that's that's it
1: yeah I don't know why I make this so hard. I think so when I, why I make everything this, hard. We're having this conversation for you, so it's really just like this is an A and B. I think so when I think of those questions, I I, I think I like I don't know. i there's a lot going on in my mind right now around around this topic because in my mind, I also like I love I love wine because it makes me feel like relaxed and happy. But I think like taking that one step further is I just really like spending time with other people and like small groups. So whatever I can do to connect with the people around me, I think are is that that's what kind of rises to the top for me. And within those it's, it's enjoying good wine together, it's enjoying a meal together. And I think the, the things I look forward to most in my months of of like, you know, you look at I look at my my life a month at a time and just see like, okay, laid out, what am I doing? How am I doing it? And when I can see the times that I've got small group get togethers with the people closest to me, I look forward to those days more than I look forward to anything else. And obviously time with Doug. But like the (laughs) but the people in my life that I don't I don't get to connect with on as regular a basis, I live for those for those do- those days. And I think that feels like active meditation for me because I'm like, I'm recharging by learning about what's going on in my friends' lives. And I forget to look at my phone when I'm at dinner and enjoying really good food with really good people. And what did I love to do as a kid? I'm pretty sure I had really good friends growing up. Running and- around to the playground and Having a good time. And having a really good time. And, like, I love swimming and bike riding and all that good stuff. But, like, I think that the connection to other people answers all of those questions. And what would I do if money didn't matter? I would host... And, and have people, obviously, I wouldn't do the cooking, but you would. I would. <laughs> but I would gather people in a space and just enjoy each other's company for however long. Like, even if it was, like, getting everybody to a destination that they wanted to go to and enjoying our time together on vacation or on a random night and being able to host everybody and just pay for the space and pay for the wine and pay for the food. Like, that, for me, feels like the best kind of conversation. Comfort. And so I don't know if those are if that if that is a hobby. But answering those questions always leads me to that point, point. and yeah. thinking about the things that make me happy always leads me to that point.
0: Well, I think because you're something thinking about what a hobby is bringing to you is like what is it that defines you as a person in a way yeah. where it's, like, when I think of you, it's, like, you're all about building relationships and you genuinely genuinely care about people. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where it's, like, here's why I enjoy, enjoy reading articles and educating myself. It's because you want to have good conversation with people. You're yeah. not, like, let's talk about the weather. You're, like, let's get into it. Yeah, like, tell me about your life. So... Well, that's good. That makes me feel better. Starting point. You're on your way, Sid. I'm very impressed. And I hope that everybody can start asking those questions because there are so many benefits to having a hobby. There are. So
1: another one of the Cut articles that I was within. Kept diving in. I want to go back and say again, what I really enjoyed about this piece was that they really compiled articles that touch on a lot of different Topics within a topic. So, not just like, here's how to get a hobby, or like, this is celebrities' different hobbies. Like, I appreciated that they were helping someone else, me, do the work and figuring out like all the different facets that come with this. And I think I have a thing where I like to just break things down to Mm -hmm. like their most smallest point. And this collection of articles really helped me do that. So, um, self complexity study this was super interesting to me because I was like, what does that mean? So this is around the benefits of having a hobby. And I thought that was a really interesting phrase. And it was a study done by Patricia Linville of Duke University. And it was within one of the articles called Why Hobbies Make You Happy, specifically. And I thought this was super interesting. And this helped me like like kind of round it out in a way and justify the time that we take to have hobbies. And so what it talks about is like the, the more complexities you have as a person, the less likely you are to get setbacks affect you, um, In different ways. So if you are a person that like is at home, and you're maybe a wife or a mom or a girlfriend or whoever you are at home, and then you have work and you are an employee, and that is the other half of your life. So like, you are those two things all the time. So if you have a setback at work, that's 50% of you that's been just dogged and just completely taken out. And so you only have 50% of you left to, to manage. And be the other part of that. And so if you have more complexities as far as, like, if you also are – do you do yoga and you go hiking and you also are, are an employee and you also are a mom and you also are a wife, that's five that's five different complexities
0: that make up the person that you are. It feels like a pie chart. Yeah. So it's not cut in half. It's many slices of pie.
1: Exactly. So then if you have a setback at work, that's only – 20, that's only a percentage of the person that you are. And so that setback doesn't take you out entirely. It helps you lean into the other parts of you that make up who you are as a person. And I thought that was really, really interesting because- I love that so much. I did too, because I think like the brain that I live in, that helped me identify and and justify spending time in other places of my life because it's like- There has to be more than just a couple parts to a person. So when something does happen that's not going to just completely take you out of the game. So I love that. And, and they go into a couple different examples that are different types of self-complexity. So one woman found that by taking improv classes and she was sailing, um, it was it was vastly different from her job at LinkedIn. So she didn't feel like the setbacks at work affected her whole life because she could go and say, like, I had a bad day at work, but I'm going to go sailing to feel better. So she didn't have to go She didn't have to just sit with the bad feeling about what happened at work.
0: Or stay at work and endlessly work to try and fix the problem. Exactly. And
1: she said because... A place like LinkedIn is pretty high stress, there's a lot going on. There are people that would stay, get get there super early, stay there super late, and because they didn't have anything else to do except for succeed at work. And she's this woman that they talk about is also affected by depression. So not feeling broken by work really helped her her mentality overall and her mental health overall because she had somewhere else to go to recharge and get back to it. Mm-hmm. So I love that. And then another woman that they talk about who's within this like self complexity bubble, um, her, her happiness came as an extension of her work in the social justice realm. So her work by day had a lot to do with, she was working with inmates and she was working on a social justice system and like was really, that was her day job. But in the evenings, she also took different parts of that to um, do more of what was going to help that cause. So yes, her narrow, her version of that was narrower, but she had this complexity with other people that helped fill her up. So if she did have a setback, maybe in her work life. She knew that even though it's in the same world that she works in, going and doing more of what fills her up and gives her a sense of purpose helped her connect with other people in various ways and really helped fill her up and not feel those setbacks as much. So very different types of Mm self-complexity, but still feel are are very much in that same world of the self-complexity study. So that was really interesting to read through like what that meant. And a lot of times it's, do you feel a sense of community outside or in addition to your work environment? Like that sense of community is really one of the things that helps you feel that sense of happiness within whatever hobby you're doing. Mm
0: -hmm. So I love it.
1: Yeah. That was a, I really enjoyed
0: that article. I think that's, that leads into something that kind of was, I was hung up on in the early days of thinking about hobbies. Because I think both of those distinctions, it's like someone who sails and does a class and kind of like explores different things that f- fill her up. And then someone who's like, I'm going to volunteer. Like that counts as a hobby as well, where you're like behind the scenes doing something where you're feeling like 100% you. Yeah. I think a distinction that was important for me to realize is that a hobby is a creative outlet. It doesn't have to be creative. Thank God. Because for a while, I thought that it had to be an artistic task in some capacity. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of people who are like in there, it's like my hobby is, you know, crafting. I'm really good at DIY. I designed my whole apartment and Uh. like, you know, paint (laughs) and or I'm into pottery and all of those things are wonderful hobbies, but I was like, those are not things that fill me up. Right. That those things actually stress me out. A lot. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I've done some crafting activities for like work purposes or just on the side because I think they'll be fun with friends.
1: Oh, and I hate
0: them so much. <laughs> and it really is not enjoyable. So it stresses me out like beyond. You're like, my macrame is not <laughs> Flowing the way remember, that others...
1: I know. We've done, we've done a few of these together where we did crafty things that just... Oh, my God. We've looked at each other we're like, this is not for us.
0: I was, like, stressed out that my knots were not right. And I also wanted to be the first one to finish. <laughs> <laughs> so those are, those are problem areas. But I think also, like, volunteering, exploring record stores, collecting piggy banks... Or whatever, you know, your favorite exercise routine. That yeah. fulfills, if that fulfills your creative space, then that's a hobby. Yes.
1: And I think, like, I know we talked about, like, that solo passion aspect of having a hobby I think that's how you find it but then if you find a community that also does it like that's where kind of all of it maybe comes together a little bit because I think even like even with these things like exploring record stores collecting piggy banks exercise routines like those are all things that like you know that set you up individually for happiness but is there a way to continue and I think there's also like an accountability factor too totally when you find the Community. So it's like, even if some days, like you had a really tough day and you want to kind of just go home and like sit with it, like if you have that community that does what you love to do, that accountability to go and be like, I might not really feel like it today, but like my group is there and they're going to love doing it. And that sense of community, in addition to doing what you love doing, is going to like kind of elevate your current, probably mental state in a way that you might not realize.
0: Yeah. And I think. That kind of resonates for me with why I do yoga. Yeah. For me, that doesn't feel like exercise. Like, I like to work out and do cardio and, like, sweat. Right. And, like, that counts as my workout. But yoga for me, I don't do it at home. Right. I want that class environment. I want that feeling of, like, that sense of community and the place in which you're, you know, doing a thing together. And it's also super stress relieving for me. So it's, like, those are things that... As far as, like, unwinding and how is it that you can find that balance within your life. And then thinking about your personality type. I think this goes back to, like, why we had such a hard time with the crafting and the DIY stuff. It was the worst. Like, I just (laughs) want to say, like, try to not fit yourself into a
1: box. Like, if you don't like doing those things. I think my mom is super crafty. Like crafts are her thing and she's so so talented but I am never and my sister also very talented artistically craftily I hate them like I am not good at them and they stress me out beyond belief so just because the people you love do things
0: doesn't mean you have to do them. don't think about other people's hobbies again that question yeah what do you do that's just for you (laughs) Yeah, And so I think also when you think about your own personality type, what are the things that fit into it? So like we don't like crafting as downtime, <laughs> but like maybe you're goal-oriented and yeah. love running. That's where you can say, oh, I'm going to train for a 5K right? because this is an exciting thing that I'm doing just for me that also is like, you know, you need to hit that achievement mark. right? Um, or if you do the Nike fit, Oh, yeah. There's a community associated with that. That I love because it's like, you know, someone telling me what to do because I'm not going to do 25 squats three times. For sure not. I need someone to tell me to do it. (laughs) And like, maybe you're creative and love being in nature and the smell of flowers and, you know, feeling the dirt between your hands. Yes. Then obviously, maybe gardening is something for you to try it out. (laughs) Um, So there's lots of options. And I think that the biggest thing that's important is to think about something that, that fills you up and makes you that lights you up, makes you feel like the sunshine bursting from the inside, in from the inside out. out.
1: <laughs> yes. I like that all that visual for me makes sense. I guess it doesn't make sense for everybody. To me
0: it's like like spirit Raise. fingers and like smiles. smiles. <laughs> and your eyes are all We're lit making up. the same face at each other right <laughs> now. <laughs> We're going to go do our hobbies later today. (laughs) Yes, definitely.
1: So, Sid, what are yours? So, obviously, you've all heard my conundrum around hobbying in general. So, when I got to this part of our conversation, like Team QS's hobbies, I was like, oh, man. (laughs) Like, now I have to put myself to the test. So... I think the podcast for me, like, this podcast really is very much, like, something I love doing. It's stress-relieving. It kind of brings together everything that I've already talked about a little bit. like hundred percent. You know, like, connecting and reading and talking about, like, culturally relevant things. Like, all of those things come together for me with the podcast. And it helps me hit that sense of flow where I'm, like, putting the work in and doing in focusing and doing it and then having the thing that I love after all the prep of like being able to talk through it with you and all of that so I think the podcast definitely lives in that world for me and I absolutely love it same z's so like that was a really good realization to have and you know I've been through my fair share of hobbies like
0: testing and trying that's also an important thing to remember is like If you don't like it, you can stop doing it and try something else.
1: Right, and not feel like a (laughs) failure. Like Abby Wambach says, feel forward. So Mm -hmm. like, what parts of what you already tried did you like and what parts didn't you like? And keep the things that you liked and figure out a new way to use them in the next thing. So the podcast is definitely one for me. Um, I really like working out because of what it does for my body. But I also don't know if it fits into that category always because it's like – Sometimes it feels like a necessary evil. Like I'm 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 compelled to do it for reasons that aren't just the endorphin release, but I do do it four
0: to five days a week. So I guess it is like it lives in that camp kind of. I think for both of us it lives in like a little bit of an in-between state where it's like I feel like I have to do this, so I'm not 700 pounds. Yeah. And because we like to eat food and drink wine.
1: Yeah. So it needs to have a balance. (laughs) So it needs
0: to happen. But then there's also like when we do it and it's just for us, it's so great. Yes. Yeah. And I do feel really
1: good after. And like I've talked about before, like the biking and the swimming, like I think that I want to put more effort into those, but I think like again, like I've already talked about, that sense of community for me personally is so important, and I think I need a buddy sometimes to do certain things. So if there was and I've tried to like join like swimming groups in the past and then it's just kind of like if it's not if it's not at the top of the list, it's not on the list at all, kind of a thing. So it's something that I'd like to work on because it makes me feel really good, but I think I need a buddy to do it sometimes.
0: I love swimming. Let's go to the lakes. OK. <laughs> and doing like, I there's like
1: open swim, but I'm also fairly goal oriented, like we talked about. And so I think I would be like, I want to swim and then I want to do a triathlon. <laughs> so okay. it's like, so I need to figure out All the right, then maybe Maybe you need a like actual, a like a YMCA <laughs> membership. <laughs> that might work too. So those are kind of like for me, those are my hobbies. Those are things that like make me feel good. But I think always at the end of the day connecting with other people over food and over wine, like, are what make me go. Those are the things that help me recharge. So I think those, that's kind of one of my major hobbies as well. Yeah, I so. love it.
0: Because you're expanding our cultural prowess. You bring that to everybody. Thanks. Love, love it. it. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Okay, what are your hobbies, Brown? So I have a few. And I definitely have more of the like leading into your childhood mm-hmm. experiences and what really brought out the great memories of things that you loved doing, and I first and foremost anything that involves me being in the kitchen is like that is my safe space. Yeah. Um, I also want to be clear that this doesn't have anything to do with that out of thinking out of date thinking that a woman's place is in the kitchen. <laughs> Thank you for identifying that. <laughs> because you should only be in the kitchen if you love being in the kitchen. Yep. And so a man can be a great cook as well. And I think that they should challenge themselves to do it. But for me it's more about the f- creating flavors and the process of actually making something delicious from scratch. I love the reaction that I get myself when I try something and made it myself, and it was beautiful and wonderful and flavorful. And then secondarily, when I make things for people, Mm -hmm. like, that's my sense of community is, like, I have hostess tendencies, and it's so... Tendencies. (laughs) Strong. I think it goes beyond a tendency. (laughs) personally. <laughs> so that's the one thing that kind of like came out in adulthood that I that I was not like that when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And so I was very shy. And so t- like I now want to facilitate bringing people together around food and wine and I want people to be in my space and create a space that's comfortable. Mm-hmm. And so I think just the process of it is something that's really fulfilling to me is, like, the beginning to end. The chopping of the herbs is just as important as, like, the stirring of the soup and the searing of the steak. And it really – that, for me, is actually rooted in um, my youth because my dad made really great breakfasts on the weekends. Yeah. And, like, threw together crepes super easy. And I was like, oh, everybody's doing this. But then we'd have, like – I'm sorry, Mom, but – she would make like spaghetti and Prego and it would be like, you know traditional American cooking during the week yeah and he had s- subscribed to Cook's Illustrated and so like as I got a little bit older, whenever because my parents are divorced and so when whenever we went to my dad's house, there was always like an involved meal that we would make and a lot of times we'd make it together and so I was, I f- yeah, I was gonna ask I think that. for me that was something that I ended up gravitating toward, and then once I was an adult, it was really exciting to be able to explore that because I had money to buy my own groceries <laughs> and I wasn't eating those things black beans out of a can and making, is that bad? Are you saying- <laughs> no, but that was the vibe that I, I got, but I also really loved learning from chefs. So like yeah. this is kind of an all encompassing, like I've really nurtured this hobby to mm-hmm. become what it is. And so I learned from chefs by attending cooking classes and listening to podcasts, um, I really love Serious Eats and Splendid Kitchen. If you're also of the cooking mentality, those Mm -hmm. are two that you should definitely download and subscribe to, um, as well as Queen Speaking. (laughs) That one, too. No (laughs) big deal. But I also read a lot of articles on Food 52. My Pinterest boards are literally just me pinning recipes um, because that's like – my favorite thing. Well, and I think like again,
1: that's a solo mission for you a lot of times. Like I can't see you in a kitchen with other people ever in your life. I think the one time we were in a kitchen together, we may have <laughs> had some we butted, we butted heads. <laughs> we for sure. may may have. But I think those things that you just listed like different chefs, different books, different podcasts, like those like that's your sense of community. Like mm-hmm. I think all of those places have created that for people who really enjoy this specific thing. Yeah. And so you've nurtured it on your own and then have support from this community of others that you might not know personally, but have created a space for a community of people that love this to come together. Yes. So I I love that.
0: And for me, my downtime, I need solo time to recharge. Right. So that's why this is so important to me because it's quiet time it's me time it's peaceful it's methodical I'm doing something Mm -hmm. as we learned I'm not good at doing nothing so yes Um, still a work in progress yes but then additionally I really love so that's like that's an everyday thing yeah I that is I practice that on a regular basis as from a hobby standpoint that is strong and I love it but another thing that doesn't necessarily come all the time but I love being in nature just feeling green Mm-hmm. around me <laughs> because it's weirdly a feeling. Yeah. Like freshness and I can fresh see air. That.
1: Yeah. It's so fresh air
0: especially. Fulfilling. Yes. And so I actually really enjoy hiking. And so that's something that I try to make sure is part of at least once a weekend maybe once a month, twice a month, if it's something that I can fit in. I've been doing a little bit more of the, instead of going for a workout, doing a walk just yeah. to get outside. Um, I think that's really helpful. But I think this is something, too, that I'm trying to do a little bit more of. And, you know, obviously, we talked earlier about travel and mm-hmm. food and exploration. Those are things that I that I consistently am seeking in my life and just learning about new things and trying new things um but just the act of like being in quiet space yeah so important all come together um but i think as we conclude this hobby discussion i want to challenge everyone (laughs) to try something that you've been wanting to try yes so like sid (laughs) go biking i'm doing it sign up for swimming class yes um, me, plan a visit to a winery where I learn about wine in a different way or do a pairing. That's what I wanted. Actually, a pairing class with wine and food.
1: I think I like that. that would be... I'd also like to attend that. <laughs> You're invited. <laughs> if if you'll have me. I I I love this topic. I think, as you've heard over the last hour, I go in a little deep sometimes and really overanalyze my tendencies and, and what I do. Um, but I think sometimes that's scary, (laughs) but sometimes that helps you get to the point where you can recognize like, okay, just because what you do doesn't look like what other people do, um, maybe more often, or you hear about those types of hobbies more often than you hear about whatever it is that you like about yourself and what your hobbies might be that are kind of like, have, have been ever present, but not tapped into, doesn't mean that they don't exist. And I think that like, like you said about nurturing it, like, again, really figuring out what it is that makes you happy and, and what you do in your spare time and what, what you would do that makes you forget your phone even exists. Like all of those things lead you to a place that helps you figure all of those things out. And even if it's not super obvious all the time, it is, it most likely exists somewhere. So you just have to, again, I think everything we talk about takes work, um, but I don't think there's anything that in this world that is, that feels good that doesn't take work. You know, like that just diving in a little bit deeper because it's really easy to binge on Netflix and I love it too, but I never feel great after I do it unless it's, a good culturally relevant show. Like, those are the ones, like, I love my guilty pleasures, obviously, but the shows that make me ask more questions and help me have, like, good conversations with other people, like, those are the ones that I love binging on because then I can go and be like, hey, TV club, like, have you watched this episode yet? And, like, it facilitates the thing that I love, which is more conversation. Yeah. So it takes time, it takes effort, but as I'm learning, it is always worth it.
0: What do you do that's just for you? That's yes. it. It's so easy. so hard. <laughs> we can do it. We got this. We want to hear what your hobbies are. Yes. LS. Please share. Love it. Uh, shall we break? Let's break.
1: Feeling like a queen yet? Find us on Instagram and Twitter at queen underscore and tell us all about it. Find episode links and show notes at queenspeaking.com. See you next week.